Welcome in. It's the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. And Dave, tomorrow, the basketball team plays. The who? The basketball team. There's a basketball team at this university still. After oh, what? Okay, cool. 21, 2, 3, <laughs> 4. Two. 25 days off they will be back in action it was supposed to be a home game but as we have discussed the ignorance of the american athletic conference has made it a road game um is so this they the will longest be... layoff in college basketball this year no there's been a couple that have been over a month has there because i know yeah. i thought villanova's was up there at like 23 days there's uh, been a couple that have been over a month it's it's up near the top of the list for sure uh, but they get back in action tomorrow night. So that means get to the Holy Grail and watch the game. Official BCJ watch party at the Holy Grail. A discount on buckets of beer. So uh, get down there and socially distance to watch the Bearcats take on Temple as the team returns to action. We'll get to basketball here a little bit in the back end of the show. Um I don't know how we lead with it because I have no clue what they're going to look like. Uh, Brandon said today they finally were able to go five on five in practice, but that was with uh, with a, a grad assistant on the floor. And he said there would be walk-ons playing tomorrow. So that tells me there's probably six or seven scholarship players uh, that will be available for this game. Um, so it's it's gonna be an interesting one tomorrow night. And I mean, we'll talk. Temple stinks too. I cannot wait to see what the over under is. I think you see two and a half point favorite. Oh my! I mean, yeah. I, how do you how do you not fade that? I don't know. I don't I mean, know. How do you not like? You have no idea who's playing, and you have no like. They haven't done anything for a month. They they're playing five on five this week. For the first time and since using, the Wichita State game, and using walk-ons and managers and and like, how do you not fade that and take the under? Yeah, uh, the under seems like the like, like I, I just what are they going to do? Walk in there and shoot like forty-nine percent from the floor? <laughs> we'll we'll get to all that here in a little bit. Um, let's get to uh, some football first. Football school now, right? Correct. <laughs> uh the the big news of the week darren page who was the wide receivers coach at eastern michigan is expected to be the new running back coach at cincinnati um from what i have gathered uh page came in on friday of last week and just crushed the interview process and if you watch there's a video a mic'd up of him at stony brook uh, from last year that uh, kind of reminds me, I, you were watching it as we were we were getting started, kind of reminds me of on the field, personality kind of reminds me of Freeman. And, and I can see why, even though it was just a, a short little clip of him interacting with his players, I can see why that's a guy that, that Luke Fickle was uh, instantly drawn to. What, what was your initial takeaway as you dug in on Darren Page? Yeah, I mean, I... I feel similar. I didn't get to 
I didn't get through it all of it, and I know it's only a couple minute clip, but it, it seemed like, you know, he's a guy that wants to connect with his, you know, position group as much as possible. Not saying that other coaches don't, but you know that there's coaches that really, you know, dive in and try to get to know guys, and there's coaches that are they're coaches, and and you're a running back, so I'm gonna coach you, but it's not you know, the same for some, but he's, you know, seems like a young, energetic guy that's clearly impressed because there's not this like automatic smack you in the face connection. And we know how that, you know, plays some part in, in Luke's decision-making when putting a staff together. So like you said, he must've been, uh, pretty darn impressive in his interview to come in on a Friday and pretty much, you know, two or three days later, grab the spot. So we'll see, um, you know, it'll be good. Hopefully we can get to spring practice and, and get to know, especially him more, you know, coach uh, Trestle did an interview press conference I doubt they'll have one for running backs coach so our first time to really talk to him and get his uh, opinion on Cincinnati what made the job attractive what you know all of that good stuff that all the fans like to hear will probably come in March so and uh, those those are always good too because I think even though it's spring practice it is a little informal so to speak and I think we've seen in the past when we've interviewed new coaches at spring practice they are a little more open um, you know the season is still months away and they're you know not as guarded I mean that's definitely the thing once you get to camp everybody's mindset changes prior to camp you can get a little a little different feel for somebody uh, I, I always joked with Mick. Mick was two completely different people. There was Mick Cronin from April to October, and then it, that was, you know, funny and engaging and had a great time. And then you hit October, and all of a sudden that the 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 switch flips and it's it's win games mode. So hopefully that is the case. Uh, I, I don't expect that uh, if and when the hire goes through, that we will uh, we will uh, get a press conference. That doesn't that doesn't seem likely. I would agree with you on that front. Um, I mean, and he's coming into a pretty good situation at running back because you have you know you have what you believe to be will be a go to guy in Jerome Ford, and you've got you know it's going to be interesting with with Chuck. Charles McClellan to see exactly where he's at. Um, I do think, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult to return from multiple ACL injuries, obviously. Uh, but genetically that kid's just a freak. So if, if anybody can do it, you have to think it's him. And I, and it's, it's definitely kind of a, uh, I don't want to say a good thing, but he, he, it's, it's the other knee. So now he has two bad knees, which, you know, that's, 
never as good as having only one bad knee, but in light of recovering, uh, it wasn't the same knee. So I do think that is, you know, somewhat of a positive for his recovery. It's just a, I mean, it sucks. But plus when you're that type of a back, right. You know, this isn't like he's a eye formation plotting, you know, type of guy. I mean, his whole game is speed, 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 speed (laughs) on flexibility and change of direction and elusiveness. And you would think having two good knees is better than none. Or right. you know, two good knees is better than two One. bad knees. <laughs> right. So we'll see. Um, but then, you know, I think Ethan Wright is going to have a say in that that situation. Um, I think he has a very bright future. Depending, I'm interested to see what he looks like when we get to spring. You know, because now, now he's going to have that full complement of time working with Brady. Do we see him you know, bulk up quite a bit and become more of a power guy. It's kind of a combo guy where, you know, he, he's got a little size and power to him, but he's got good quickness and speed. Um, I'm really interested in Ethan Wright. I, I know, you know, Ryan Montgomery uh, is, is going to be a guy that's chomping at the bit to be the number two guy. You know, he's, he's gotten some carries, he's gotten some action. Um, and then, he won't be here in the spring, but uh, can't wait for Miles Montgomery to get here down the road to uh, to see how he fits in that room as well. So if you're Darren Page, you know, you're not walking into Mike Warren and Jared Dokes, but you're still walking into a pretty damn good running back room. No, I mean, Wright's kind of the interesting one to me because for what it's worth, the roster lists him at 193. So, you know, could you – Getting to 220 is a lot. I mean, that's 27 more. Do you do you lose, you know, do you lose what he brings if you try to do that? Um, 195, 193 is not small by any means either at 6'1". So, and maybe you have a power back just in a different sense of a power back compared to what you had in Jared Dokes at, you know, 220 to 230. Ryan Montgomery's 5'10", so I guess he could technically fill that role as well. Yeah, I think probably 210 would probably be about where I would guess they would want Ethan to be. 210, 215. I, I don't, you know, maybe by uh, another year into this thing, by his third year, maybe 220 is uh, is realistic, but uh, I would think 210 or so would probably 215 would be a, about right. Mm-hmm. 205 is what I'm told. He's 192 right now. Goal is 205. I'm just laughing. This has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about, but I have the football roster page up, so I'm going down, and I just happened to scroll to the support staff, and it said John Tenuta, senior defensive analyst, did you notice today that Will Muschamp is getting paid three hundred thousand dollars to be yeah a, to be an analyst analyst at Georgia? Yep. Do you think John should go in tomorrow and ask for a raise? Because I have a feeling he's not getting three hundred thousand dollars from his buddy, you know, Kirby Strong or Kirby Smart, who and him and Muschamp are like best friends. But like, 
three hundred grand to be an analyst when you've That's... been fired twice and are get, still getting buyout money probably from uh, maybe both schools actually. Obviously South Carolina, but it's a lot of loot. Well, what a life, man! It's a lot of loot. There is no doubt about that. It's, it's good to be, it's good to be a washed-up college football coach retread. Yeah, just keep getting put back on nicer and nicer cars with less and less tread on your tire. No kidding. I mean, why would you want to? Why would you want the headache of being a head coach ever again? Right. Like you don't even have to be a coordinator. No, if I'm him, I'm coaching linebackers at at some place that's going to pay me a bunch of money and I don't have to do press conferences and I don't have to talk to the media and I can just recruit my guys and coach, you know, whatever, five, six, seven guys. and Right. Don't mess with that other nonsense. But, yeah, I just saw that. I was just laughing. I was like, oh, we have a defensive analyst. I wonder if he's getting paid 300 k <laughs> Probably not, but. John Tenuta has has done well for himself over oh, his yeah. uh, over his that and his coaching career has been like forty five years. When he started coaching, like the highest paid coach in football wasn't making three hundred thousand dollars. Well, here let's let's say not counting grad assistant roles. What year do you think was his first actual position coach uh, season? Let's see. Because I, I have it right here, so. Uh, I'm going to go 1987. You're close. His first job was as a as in a position coach was defensive backs coach at Vandy in 1984. I should have, yeah, it was even earlier. So, I mean, he started as a grad assistant. Virginia, 1981-82 season. That was I was born in 81, so he's been coaching college football for 39 years. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's done all right for himself. Um, yeah. So now the staff appears to be set. And really, I mean, you lost Marcus Freeman, which is unfortunate, but – uh, you replace him with a guy that has had success at the highest levels of college football as a defensive coordinator, someone that's close to fickle and is, is well aware of what is going to be asked of him. Um, you, you bring in kind of a, and I, I've likened this hire. Uh, I mentioned it on the BBP on Monday. Uh, I've likened this hire very much for me to Mike Brown. Younger guy, took a chance, came, you know, pretty highly recommended. Uh, I believe his connection was to Chad Wilt. Okay. Uh, I think the best thing we can trace back on Page is that he was at Kent State with Freeman in 2012. So um, I'm guessing there was at least some familiarity there, at least – you know, Marcus could give him a good recommendation or, or helped him get his foot in the door mm-hmm. in this process. Um, but I, you know, you go through a season where you, you go undefeated in the regular season, you get into the NY six, 
you damn near beat Georgia on New Year's Day in what was easily the best bowl game of, you know, the important part of bowl season. And you lose, yes, you lose a defensive coordinator. You don't lose anybody else on the defensive side of the ball. And you lose a running back coach. That's pretty remarkable for where this thing is at. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, you we've talked about it. Like, more times than not, you have this kind of success at this level and your staff is getting pilfered. Right. Whether it's the head coach leaving and taking a bunch of guys with him, whether it's just a bunch of guys getting jobs at other – getting elevated type jobs at other places. I, mean, I know we've talked about that we're going into year five and we they're hiring their first coordinator – from the original staff. Yeah. And you have one other position coach leave, and we all knew that was going to happen before the season started. Yeah. Dan Enos was never planning to be here for longer than he had to be. We talked about this last week. He's a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator. He's not hanging around in Cincinnati to be a running back coach. The offensive coordinator wasn't leaving. And the quarterback coach wasn't leaving. So guess what? <laughs> there wasn't a lot of upward mobility for Dan Enos here. No, no spots at the end. And you got, you know, your running backs had a great year. So you got what you wanted out of him. It was successful. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a whole lot more on the staff front. No, me neither. Uh, but I did want to get into a little bit on Darren Page. We don't know. Specifically, philosophy-wise, what he's what he's all about yet. He was a wide receiver. Uh, he's been coaching wide receivers. So, you know, there will be a bit of a learning curve in the spring for him with running backs. Uh, but running back is not – it's not coaching offensive line, right? Run fast, score touchdown. Yeah. Find hole, run fast, score touchdown. Don't fumble. <laughs> those are the, the the key tenets yeah to being a good running back um signing day today man was that action packed i could hardly get any work done my phone was just blowing up wait no it's not <laughs> happened and it hasn't happened for several years now so i'm kind of getting bored by this they need to figure out a way to save something a surprise have guys not been a lot, there's been quite a bit of surprises the past couple years not not in february yeah there has when last year well, this, last year there was the year before there wasn't well i mean there wasn't a whole lot that happened in that 2019 class there wasn't 2018 lenny taylor tavion thomas I guess, I guess it wasn't like signing day things though we knew no but it was still second signing period this yeah. year they just they filled up, yeah, and filled up with a really good class. Um, is there? First off, you 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 took a you monitored the conference today. Anything exciting happen around the conference here uh, on uh, second you, signing day? UCF somehow pulled in a four star wide receiver from Hawaii. Yeah, he's grew up with Dylan Gabriel. Well, yeah, but I mean they don't have a coach, so I figure that that would probably be used against him. 
uh, or against them. But um, other than that, no. I mean, SMU, I think, was in on the kid that ended up signing with Stanford. That's, that's you know, pretty good. Um, I saw South Florida grabbed a couple P5 transfers. I don't know if that was today or just in the last week or so. Um, nothing, nothing like real newsy. Um, UC is first in, I'm going to assume that these are up to date. I mean, I have no reason to believe that they're not the comfort or the 24 seven usually does a good job with this. First in the conference, as far as points, um, second as far as average player rating to SMU only by point, uh, 0.18 points. So pretty close there. UC just had 24 commits, SMU has 17. Um, Memphis is th- would be third if you go by those metrics. UCF fourth. Houston fifth. Tulsa got nine commits. I don't. What's like, going on there? I don't know. Um, if That's two, if two transfers listed, two hard commits, and seven signed letters of intent. And, you've got to you've got to do better. And. Like I understand, maybe maybe they had a really small. Class, no, but I mean, just in terms but, of the the kids that you get, right? And they only had they've only had two guys trans in the portal, so they're basically a one for one swap there. Like I'm just imagining me and our fan, and then maybe their fans aren't doing this, but like if we went to the conference championship game and we pulled in the 120. Sixth ranked class nationally and signed nine guys. Our message board would be f- straight fire. What? What? <laughs> Final from Greenville. We have break. ECU did not beat Houston. 82 73. <laughs> God, this conference sucks. <laughs> East Carolina, 82. Number five, Houston, 73. Yeah, I mean, they were 16 and a half point favorites. And it was that gets a WTF GIF. It was kind of close at half. Houston was winning, but to turn around and like they outscored him by double figures in the second half. I think it was like 40 to 37 at halftime and they gave up what 40 45 points what in the world it's their first ECU's first win since December 22nd yeah Houston was first in the country coming to the game line 56 points per game and you and give up 82 to East Carolina and lose by nine? What in the holy hell? <laughs> I, I, 
sorry to uh, take us off track a little bit there, but I just happened to be scrolling through Twitter for one second and that popped up and huh huh make sense of that Dave um there's really not much to make sense about um in UC football related news Derek Forrest just posted that he has been uh, selected to participate in the 2021 NFL scouting combine that isn't actually a scouting combine and is just a trip to the doctor's office. Hey, it's better than not being invited. Yeah, exactly. Because generally when you're invited, your stock is pretty high. If you're invited, you, I mean, I don't know exactly the percentages, but I mean, it's, there's usually around 256 draft picks round 300 to 330 guys usually get invited to the combine. So it's a pretty good indication that you have a better than 50, 50 shot of getting drafted. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, but yeah, this is kind of back to the basketball. Like this is straight up one bid league. There's no shot that it's a two bid league now. Wow. Like Houston would still get the at large. So I guess technically it could be a two bid league, but like, that's the that's, very that's the very best. That no one else is getting that large, right? I can't. I mean, maybe SMU, but they've lost twice to Houston already, so they don't get their their signature win there. And the other the other problem is like the rest of the league sucks. So who else are they getting wins against? Right. This is the problem UC had. What was it? A few years ago. Yeah. When there was like a good win to be had, <laughs> I I that is oh here, here's cow. here's why. This is why they this is why Houston lost. Why it was Joe Dooley's two hundredth career win. You never you never lose milestone games like that. Not not if you're Joe Dooley. No, I mean not if you're Joe Dooley. <laughs> Hat tip to our guy Antoine Jackson. That's all I can say. Is he an assistant at ECU? He is an assistant at ECU. Oh, wow. I, that was the first I'd heard of that right now is when I learned that 8.09 on Wednesday, February 3rd <laughs> is when I learned that Antoine Jackson was an assistant at ECU. This podcast is just going to be all over the place. I mean, it? well, I mean, we had to talk about it. I mean, that's ridiculous. But, um, yeah, Tulsa's recruiting class is a big old bag of you-know-what. And I don't really understand why. I mean, I don't want to be totally down on it because maybe they just are, have to take a super super small class like i have no idea how many seniors they had and and whatnot but it's just a it's a very big outlier um even for the conference it's a huge outlier like we don't count navy because they take 100 guys every year and they have a jv team but temple has not much more. I mean, they're taking like eight transfers. They loaded up on transfers, but they had 12 signings and two commits and they're 105 nationally. So they're still 20 spots better than Tulsa. Yeah. I mean, do you, and looking back at past numbers, are you encouraged with the fact that we're seeing 
the average score for, for the top schools go up consistently. I mean, it's not crazy, but, you know, like if you look back in 2018, Cincinnati's average recruit was 84. They've jumped that almost a full point uh, last year and this year. Memphis and SMU uh, and a couple others are are trending uh, better than they were at that point in time. Do you see some positive momentum for the conference in recruiting or uh, still a little bit of concern? I mean, I guess I would say like in SMU's case, I see positive momentum because to get Preston Stone um, – I don't know the details specifically, but it's probably not even comparable to getting uh, Evan Prater. But, I mean, to get him as early as they did and to keep him says a lot about what they're doing. Um, But I still – the recruiting is the recruiting, but I have to see it on the field. Like – like they were like, the, this is the thing I don't get. Like SMU is still taking like they took ten more transfers this year. I just don't know how that. I don't know how that works as a way to legit. Like this is now the second year in a row. I mean, let me just make sure and see if they have this. Houston's doing it too. Like okay, so they took six last year. SMU. Right. Is that a way to build a cohesive roster? I guess we'll see because this hasn't really been a thing up until the last couple of years. Like, if 16, like they signed, they had 24 guys in last year's class, 18 enrollees, and six transfers. And then this year, they had 16 quote-unquote high school, 17 quote-unquote high school guys and 10 transfers, one that's not says hard commit. So 16, basically half of their signing classes the last two years have been transfers, roughly, a little bit less. Yeah. Do you build an actual roster that way? I just don't see how. I don't either. Because most of the transfers are going to be seniors. I mean, I'd, I'd have to look at it. I don't. I, don't I guess no, I shouldn't say that. That's probably that's not, not necessarily accurate. Um, but like, are you? If you're then counting on, like, you're taking a transfer because you're thinking that he's going to play. You need. You need him. I need this position, or else why am I bringing someone in? But right. at, at the same, so you're like reteaching all these guys every year. And here's the other, but the other part of it, and I've seen this said, and I agree with this part too, is are we going to get to the point where coaches said, rather make a one year mistake than a four year mistake? Maybe, but if uh, you, there's no four year mistakes anymore, you just drag their ass to the portal and toss right. them in. It. Or is that only like a thing right now because of not being able to be out and recruit. Like once you're back out to be able to recruit, you're, you're going to maybe fall back to taking the high school kit. I think it's, it's a, you know, it's, it can be seen as a quick fix for a bad roster. Here's the problem I've always had with that though, Dave, like 
the success of transfers even here has been it's mixed mixed at best at best mixed at best right i mean and like, i'm not i'm not saying this is like a thing about any kid that transfers cuz there's there's plenty of reasons right but if you're transferring there's a reason you could be a darian beavers and be like i don't want to play here anymore because these here, guys right. stink but that is probably the outlier. Most of the time, it's because I'm not playing. And I don't see a path to playing. And maybe that's as far as it goes. Maybe you are working your butt off and doing every possible thing the coaching staff wants you to do, and you're just blocked. Right. Okay, I get that. But I'm sure there's also plenty of instances where dude is not exactly doing that. Is mad he's not playing. So he's looking for an easy place to go where he can say, well, I'm from Arizona State, and now I'm transferring to UC. and right. Or I'm transferring to Memphis, or I'm transferring to SMU. So I'm just going to play because, shit, I was a you know, high three-star, and I'm coming from Arizona State, and these guys probably stink. And then you just got to deal with that crap. Yeah, it's not ideal. I mean. I don't know. I mean, we'll see as the years go on. But, like, obviously, you know, you're talking about the, the big boys or whatever. But, like, UC's up in the upper echelon of the sport. And they certainly aren't about to start taking a bunch of transfers. No, it's been pretty strategic where and when and why they've taken transfers. You know, it hasn't been by any stretch. It hasn't been to build a roster. The other it has thing been too to fill like, a gap. You're at the G5 level, which is where you see most of these like transfer downs, especially in Texas. Like you see a lot of the kids that are from Texas coming back to SMU in Houston. Yeah. Which I get. So you're taking transfers because more times than not, you're – probably a new coach and you're a new coach because the old coach got fired and the roster stinks. So you're taking a bunch of transfers, but then you're not really building your program. You're right. just like m replenishing the roster for that very moment because you need dudes who are better than the guys you just inherited, who got the last coach fired. Not all their, not all their fault, obviously. But then, so if you're doing that, how are you actually going to build your program if you're bringing in, even if they're not all seniors, guys that are only there for a year or two years? Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, like, is SMU really still in the very early stages of building that roster? No, I think this is how they feel like they can compete the best is to bring the dudes home, so to speak. Like, I don't know if they – like, I don't think they feel that they can – match up with UC and UCF taking 25 dudes from Texas and Oklahoma and wherever that all the other power schools didn't want. Or I shouldn't say all. I mean, they got Preston Stone. They've definitely gotten some kids that other schools wanted. Yeah, I just don't get why you don't focus on getting more of those kids. You're in Texas. Yeah, I mean, they have in this year's class – 
One, two. Six high school commits, signees, out of 16. So, again, almost half are rated 86 or better. That's pretty damn good. And then they backfilled it with 10 transfers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of which are from Power Five schools. Coming back to the state of Texas, coming back home. I would say most of them are. Like, I, I can't tell necessarily. I'd have to click on each one individually. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's certainly the, the method Houston took last year, and that certainly didn't work. Right. I don't know. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. To Although me. last year, Houston was like their whole season was a mess and tons of games off and they only have 14 what is it four enrollees nine sign letters of intent they took five transfers i don't know man this whole conference is is confusing to me it doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense you certainly have a lot of schools going about it you know different ways that's for sure. I mean, you see, I would say, is the most out of anybody takes the most traditional route is the most like an Ohio State, a Georgia, an Alabama, a Clemson high school kids. And if we have a glaring weakness and there's a specific guy that we can get, all right, we'll take a transfer. But, you know, that is the rare exception. Yeah. It just, I don't, it just doesn't seem like, doesn't seem like a stable way to build a roster. Doesn't seem like a stable way to consistently compete year in and year out at a high level. It, it seems like you're always chasing your tail. Right? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good way of looking at it. I don't, I'm not sure how you ever feel because once you get into it, it's not like you can't get out. You can't get, I don't know how you get out. Right. Like once you commit to five to 10 guys in every class being transfers, it's hard to then, because then if, when you stop, you're like, all right, there goes those five to 10 guys that we were counting on to come in and be at least at worst in the 2D. Well, and you never have class continuity. Yeah, your numbers you're always, are always jacked up. Yeah, you're always chasing to fill All right, well we got a we got this class is too big and that class is too small and there's just never any rhyme or reason to any of it. It doesn't I don't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But I mean, I, I get why they think, you know, we're in Texas and we're better off if we're getting transfers from the SEC and the Big 12 to compete in the AAC. But guess what? UC's getting those kids and developing them the entire time. Yeah. Because they're beating out the level of schools that SMU and Houston are getting transfers from for high school prospects. I congratulations on to the, to those schools. Happy signing day to them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just, I, 
I don't know. It's not how I would do it, especially if I was down there. I think that's the thing for me. You're in Texas. There's high school football stars coming out the wazoo. Go find 15 of them. Yeah. Like, well, it'll, be, it'll be super interesting what the career, and, you know, it's obviously it's very early, but like, what's the career of Drew Donnelly? Yeah. UC goes into Texas, gets a kid that was committed to Ole Miss. That is a kid that should go to that SMU. Should be going to SMU or Houston. Yeah. Like whatever that happened with Ole Miss, I don't know. We might not ever know the exact nuances of it. They recruited over him. I, I don't think that's right. But I'm not gonna. You know, that's certainly a, a good possibility. But still, who cares if you're SMU right. or Houston? Like, be like, dude, we we got a spot for you right now. Yeah, let's they go. Him. I never heard their name mentioned. Like, so, I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to yeah, lean towards the way we're doing it right now. It seems to be working. I, I think I'm with you there. Should we talk about how we have three Aaron Donalds, <laughs> uh, a Joe Burrow, four Cam Chancellors, um, a Khalil Mack in this recruiting class? No, because I think you're being silly. I am being silly. What, what do you expect? Do you want them to say that like they want to be like uh, uh, I, I grew I, I dream of being uh, Carl Lawson? No, I just I just think it's all I think it's funny. I would say they should dream of being former Bearcat. how how many of these kids do you think have any idea who connor barwin is oh we got a jason kelsey since we've brought this up i did like drew donnelly's his nfl comparison cooper cup he is way faster than cooper cup and bigger isn't he no he's probably a little skinnier right now but like i mean height wise oh i don't know i don't know the exact heights but like dude is already way faster than cooper cup but no, I just yeah. was reading them and I was like, I was just laughing because it's just funny to me. I don't know why. Like, yeah, of course, I, like, Zaquai Lawton's NFL comp is Demarcus Lawrence, Tyke McKinley, and Khalil Mack. I mean, just a, just a total badass coming to Clefton. I mean, of course that's what they think. Nick Bosa and Danelle Hunter, Rob Jackson. Hey, more power to him. I know. I, I, yeah, I, it, not something that even mildly interests me. <laughs> no, I just, like I, it was just funny. And Jack Dingle, I was like, Joe Schobert, you, come on, you're probably better than that already. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so you got a problem with him going over and the one kid yes. reasonable. You got a problem with him too. You're an <laughs> asshole. Yes, I do. Shoot for the moon. And then I'll they still, did, and you're and making fun of them. Oh, I'm not making fun of them. I just thought it was funny. I'm not making fun of them. They should, they should absolutely feel that way. I did wish one of the safeties had said Tinker Keck. <laughs> they wouldn't know who that was <laughs> if, if you put his bio in front of him and sat him down across a table. I know. 
You wanna you wanna you wanna talk a little Madden coming back? Madden. You're not you're, 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 you're NCAA coming back, NCAA 2022 by the time we get it, probably. Sure. I mean, I haven't played a video game since I was in college, but yeah, I'm all about it. But did you play NCAA football in college? No. Really? No. Nope. Played huh. played SSX Tricky. What the hell is that? Snowboarding game. Oh, okay. I I I was uh I was big on snowboarding games. I enjoy snowboarding games. No, I I did not. I asked I asked my buddies. They were all you know they're all excited or whatever. And I was like, is there a mode where I can do all of the other things except play the games? Uh, I think you can like simulate through the games. Yeah, I would be I would be okay with that. Like I would do the recruiting, the hiring and firing, like run the program. I don't have any interest in actually playing the games. Would you like? I, I think they had a mode in the old one where you could like call the game, but you didn't be, have to actually. It'd be like a mad mode just play like GM mode or whatever, but right. not actually play. Yeah, I'm sure there's something. That wouldn't be bad. I mean, I. I don't know. You follow it way more than me. I mean, I, I feel like I saw some tweets with Darren Ravel poo-pooing he's, on everybody's day because he's a twerp. Him and him and Dan Wolken are the have a twerp off, you know, every other tweet that they send out. But like, you know, he's probably not wrong with what he said. It's just who like why would you say that on a day when everybody's excited that there's this announcement you're like well it might not be the actual players and blah 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 and like why Who we know like, jerk we know yeah like we know it's tied to the nli stuff nil nil whatever yeah um i'm excited i mean i'm excited i, I think it I, what did i see yesterday every player in the nfl gets a ten thousand dollar check from madden Really? Yeah. No matter what, like, the, every, yeah. like they just pay them all the exact same amount. Yeah, they're in. If you're in the game, you get 10, 10 G's. So what would? I was trying to think that out in my head. You've got instead of thirty, you've got one hundred and thirty teams, and instead of. 50, 53 well, 50, you've got 85 would it would would 2500 be enough you think to give each dude yeah i feel like that's high you think that's too much like i mean just to be in a video game where you don't have to do anything yeah like, for your name image and likeness yeah i think I think most of those dudes would be like, this is so awesome. I'm like in a video game. They wouldn't really care about that aspect of it. Dave, that doesn't matter. We are in an era of name, image, and likeness. I would is going say, to be a no, I, I, I would still give them money. I'm just saying, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to start to, to fancy a guess of what you would you would pay a player to be in a video game. You think 2,500 is too much. Um, well, how much is that? I don't know. 
who's who's paying them that? EA, I guess. Yeah, it'd be it'd be EA Sports. So one thirty times eighty five times twenty five hundred be twenty seven million dollars, twenty seven point six million dollars to start, I guess. I mean, do you give them that every year or do you only give them it once? Every year. Okay. So then every every year you make the game. Yeah. So then that's that their name is being used. Yeah. So twenty six yeah. million bucks, give or take every year adding the you know, once the adding the new kids, you know, the freshmen and everything. God, whose job is it going to be to like check the rosters and all the transfers and the <laughs> getting these yeah. guys on the right rosters? It's going to be that a ain't going to be fun. That ain't going to be like fun you can for just sure. Check the daily transaction log in the NFL to see right. like if guys were cut or went. To, like, there's no transaction log in college. <laughs> might have to be now. Might have to be now. So, so you don't think you'd play? Mainly what? because you'd have to buy a $500 gaming system to do it. Mainly because I have a 19-month-old and a wife that if I came home from work, ate dinner, and then said, honey, I'm going to play video games for two hours, she'd, you know, not be a big fan of that. That's fair. <laughs> it's, fair. Just, it's just never been my thing. Like, when I was a kid, sure, it's just never it's just it just doesn't do anything for me at this stage boo boo dave you wouldn't have any fun being the bearcats and continuing sure it, would, I'm not saying it wouldn't be fun but you're saying you wouldn't have any interest in having fun yeah <laughs> so one last thing on football day before we, we we dip into basketball a little bit ahead of tomorrow's return to action against temple thursday thursday night um we still are waiting for the start of the locker room renovation which i'm a little bit surprised i thought that you know that was i know it was supposed to start january 1st when the season ended pretty obvious that the pandemic has slowed things a little bit, but um, when do you think we could start this locker room thing and still have it ready by, you know, early enough for the, for the 2021 season? I mean, let me, let me dig into my vast construction engineering background. Um, I would, I would guess, I mean, it's, it's not like they're, they're not knocking, they're certainly not like knocking down walls and making it bigger. They've, they've only got a certain amount of space. Right. So, you know, if it's a total renovation, you're kind of just like redoing the finishes, so to speak. You're not really building anything. I would think a three months, you know, if, Three, four months if you start this thing in April, May, June, July, August, it's ready by September. You gotta get this thing done before 2021, though, right? Well, if you told people that it was if you had pictures that you were showing recruits and we everybody saw them in the background, and you told certain people 
whether that was staff members, recruits, players, boosters, you know, this isn't a a figment of people. We didn't just make this up out of the ether. Like Dave and Chad said there was going to be a new locker room. Like this is out there. Right. So certain people will start getting more and more. Uh Uh-oh. What? Uh Uh-oh. Dave's freezing up a little bit. Oh. This is uh, you, it, this is out there. Carry on from there. I got you. Good. So okay. So yeah, okay. this is out there. It's this isn't like we just a create Bearcat Journal creation. So the longer it's delayed, you just have more and more people, whether they're inside the program or outside the program, asking what's going on. Including, you would guarantee, Luke Fickle. Well, yeah, he'd be the number one guy asking what's going on. Like, the, and frankly, <laughs> the only guy. Outside that matters. Of, outside of maybe someone who was like, hey, I wrote you a big fat check for this thing X amount of months ago and it still hasn't started. So what's what are you doing with my money? Right. You know, other than those two or three people, yeah, he's he's the only one that matters. But I would think, you know, I imagine the timeline that they were on to start it in the beginning of January was to probably have it ready by spring practice. Is that like, if, if you, if or, you or at like, least close, I at guess least. my question would be like, then what was the point in saying you were going to start it January one, if it didn't really need to be ready until September, whatever. Right. Like, cause the only reason to start January one to me is like, while you're in the middle of a pandemic is because we think we can have it done by spring practice in the middle of March. If that's not feasible, then I don't, then I'm not sure why it needed to be. I mean, obviously Luke and everybody wants it finished by now. I mean that, you know, we want it done yesterday, but I'm just trying to like look at it from both sides and say, okay, if it's, if the timeline was three months to begin with, if we started January 1st, you wouldn't have been able to use it for spring practice anyway. We'd have to come up with a new locker room situation. Well, but they've been operating out of multiple different places. True. Right now, anyway. Yeah, you know, but you know what I mean. But if it, yeah. if you didn't need it ready at this point, then I guess I'm kind of like, well, then what's the point in starting it? And but yeah, I would think it needs. It certainly needs to be done before the season starts. Definitely. So I mean, April, May, because they don't practice on campus. You know, because they have higher grounds. It's not like it needs to be ready for training camp. Right. So let's let's look forward a little bit, hypothetically. They get the locker room done. We know college athletics is a uh, arms race, a facilities race to keep up with uh, with everybody. What is next on your list? after the locker room for the UC football program outside of like the David and Simone beer garden slash sports bar slash, uh, you know, sports book. I mean, you know how you, people get names on things, right? Right. I don't have that money. So someone's going to donate, <laughs> donate that in my honor um, and put your name on it. Yeah. Uh, I would, if it, if it was, this was me, if I was like, I'm writing my list of 
things that need to happen for the football program, I would say my number one thing would be like no more bubble, real football facility. Now that might just be a fixed structure, hundred yard, hundred whatever practice field. That might be practice field where there's also another locker room, uh, a weight room, offices, where you basically just move the entire football program out of the Linder Center. It's something, maybe it's a combination of the two. Maybe there's not a locker, maybe there's not a weight room, but there's offices and, you know, something like that. Um, I would say a fixed structure practice facility, football, building, whatever. I think that's probably right. Um, I mean, you're very limited in the Linder Center. No, it's not to say it, with campus in general. Right. I mean, if, you, if you've been in on that, that seventh floor, it's pretty tight. Those coaches' offices are a cubicle, basically. Um, I would think if you're going to do it, you go all the way, right? You do a facility. Now, I guess the question there would be, as it's always been, where, where, where does that go? Right. I mean, um, you, you end up going so far away from campus to do that, that it doesn't make sense that you're having to bust that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not familiar exactly with the land right around campus as far as what's big enough to do that what's even available to do that all i know is that it doesn't seem like there's you know a lot of space to just plop down another football field's worth of construction in and around plus right in and around campus that you know you could realistically be like yeah we're gonna walk here even if it's you know pouring down rain (laughs) I mean, what is the, the place that has been talked about before was back by where, like, um, <laughs> back by where, uh, I guess, the, the, the shot and discus people operate for track and field, which is by, like, on the back by Hughes High School. Um, I know I've seen that thrown around before as a, you know, a potential spot that's close to campus, but that's still, that's pretty far. It, it's, yeah, that's not, that's not that close. I mean, when you really think, especially about from it. where the apartments are. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, that's no, I mean, you're, that's, but if you don't have anywhere, if you don't have anywhere to go, I mean, you yeah. take what you can get, right? Well, sure. I mean, you're not going to... If someone's going to say, we're going to build this... And this is where it's going, then that's where it's going. Yeah. That's just always come off as the most, like, reasonable spot to me, close to campus, but with the problem being, it's not as close as you think it is. No, it's it's definitely not. And I'm not even sure like I'm looking at the overhead right now, like on Google Images, like Yeah, I mean 
there's like these baseball fields and I wouldn't even call it close to Hughes. No. They're like like on the other side of Clifton Ave behind the fraternity houses um, in between like Marshall Avenue, Clifton Avenue and Probosco. There's a two baseball fields and some woods that you could do it there. I mean, there's plenty of space if that land is available, but I'm not calling that on campus. Like that's, that's nowhere near the apartments. It's nowhere near the Lindner center, like nowhere near Nip. I mean, so if that's this, but again, but yet again, like if you've got, if, you know, if that's your goal to do, then go for it. Right. It's better than, it would be way better than not having it. You just figure out, you'd have to, you know, you have those other challenges of being an urban campus. It would be nice to have one. Well, yeah. Considering right now, I don't know if they've started construction or they're started fundraising for it, which will probably take them about four days. Auburn is building a $92 million football facility with a barbershop, two recording studios, and a flight simulator. And if those two teams played right now, UC would dog walk their ass up and down the field. (laughs) Right. So, you know, if you want to, we've talked about this so many times, but like you're actually there now. If you want to be a big-time college football team and you want to stay a big-time college football team, these are the things you have to figure out a way to do. And whether that is going back to your very generous donors who have helped you several times before, that's going to be part of it. Right. But it also needs to be... a in my opinion, needs to be more of a public campaign. Like how many people truly knew that they were raising money for to renovate the locker room that maybe weren't diehards or like Bearcat Journal members who we've talked about or follow the coaches on Twitter and notice those pictures in the back. Like how many people? Probably not many. And how, and many, how many? How many, how many people? Of those... If you put out a release to all your alums, to us, to Justin, to Twitter, to everything, and you started a legitimate public campaign, and you just asked for a thousand dollars. Now that's not going to cover even near the whole extent of it, but like, you could probably get yeah. 100, 100 people to donate a thousand dollars tomorrow. If you probably. said, if you said we are starting a campaign to build a, we don't know where it's going yet, but that's not going to stop us from raising the money to make this happen. Right. How many people would just, and you're like, yeah, I'll give you a thousand bucks tomorrow. And some of those people would probably give you 5,000. And some of those people would probably give you 10,000. Like, I, this is just me personally. And it's been, it's been this way. For as long as I can remember, this is not a John Cunningham criticism. I don't understand why fundraising for athletics at this university is this like cloak and dagger, secret, 
Got to keep it quiet. Got to only talk to the same people all the time. Right. Like It's it, a it, capital campaign. Tell freaking people about it. Like, you should be like, we just went nine and one. We finished number 10 in the country. We almost beat Georgia. Now give us some damn money so we can keep doing it. But instead, they're like, I don't know. We can't talk about it yet. Or it's not... We don't have every single detail figured out that we that we can tell talk to people about. Like, who gives a shit? Like, uh, uh, interesting. That's the, it, that's the excitement it, of it. Is like, yeah, I don't care that you don't have every single detail figured out, but I'm really pumped up that you're forward thinking enough. And this might be three or four years down the road, but hell yeah, I'm gonna donate because this is what we need to do to relive what we just experienced. In the 2020 season. Let's crowdsource the message board. In the comments. Would you donate to the locker room facility if if you've been if you had been given the chance? And you and you I, I assume you still can because they're still fundraising for it, it apparently. It hasn't been started to be built. Because it hasn't <laughs> been started yet. If you had the opportunity to help out and contribute to the locker room, would that be something you would have done? And are, are you curious as to why you haven't heard from anybody yet? Well, here's my other thing on it. The next level success agenda that went out to help during the pandemic, yeah, by all accounts, was very successful. Yes. Why are you not basically duplicating that and saying, right? hey, we know you've been hit hard and maybe you can't donate any money right now, but we want to take advantage of the season and the momentum that this program has. And if you donate X, we're going to give you this. And if you donate Y, we're going to give you this. Like, why is this so damn hard? Dave, what do we... And I don't want this to come off the wrong way because I, these people are doing a phenomenal thing. I did something similar last night. I, I don't have uh, $1,000 to drop right now. But we did go get dinner last night. I left 100% tip because people in the service industry are hurting. Have you heard about this Xavier UC thing? I have. We are up to, I, I think, 15 or so UC fans They're that have left like a... a thousand dollars they've left a thousand dollar tip and that's just building momentum on themselves doing this and someone going oh shit i can do that and i want to bang my chest then i'm a uc guy and then the xavier guy's like well i'm gonna puff my chest out so i'm gonna do it like like i just i don't know i'm i've been in sales i i don't understand this philosophy i don't like if you're in sales and you go out and you're in outside sales yeah, you're going to hit up your dudes that are like your buddies or that you know you can get past the gatekeeper or whatever. But then you're going and talking to as many people as you can because what is the hit rate? It's not great. But so, that doesn't mean you don't do it. Exactly. You do more of it. Because while me right now in the current situation that I'm in, I probably, I don't even know if I could donate a dollar. I'd probably figure out a way to donate something. But like, you got to come get me. Like, I'm not just going to give you my money. 
make like right come get my money my money's there it's there to be had but you gotta come in and at least put on a face that you freaking want it this locker room project is not a huge deal it's not a small deal it's but like it's a, not a a million bucks probably a little bit more but in that okay. in that facility Still, that's, that's in, that, nothing, in that vicinity that is nothing in the warfare you know facility warfare i just said auburn is building a 92 million dollar facility their facility is twice as much money as it costs to renovate nippert stadium <laughs> well i think it was 90 million i think it was right million. okay sorry the same the same, same amount same it cost, cost to build that beautiful press box and and the club section and suites is the the amount of money that Auburn is putting into a locker room. No, it takes time to become Auburn. I mean, they've won national championships. They've won SEC championships. I'm not saying that UC is going to be on Auburn's level anytime soon as right. far as an athletic fundraising department. But I just don't understand the mentality of not putting this out to your pop. I mean, you are going to have more season ticket holders next year than any year in freaking UC history. Right. I will, I will bet whatever you want to bet on that right now. It'll be more than in 2010, the year after the Sugar Bowl. What's left? Or, uh, uh, exactly. Brian left. Why are you not capitalizing on that? Like, what are we doing it should be pretty easy to capitalize on Luke Fickle stayed. Desmond Ritter. I mean, this whole thing is it, every marketing strategy, every slogan, every flyer, every, everything is, it's already done. Literally, it's already done. You can yeah. have, you can have Twitter spots, commercials, everything. Des Ritter, Luke Fickle, whoever you want on the team. Help us build, you know, we, we'd love a new locker room. We want you to be a part of it. You know, we want to build a football facility. We want you to be a part of it. Like you supported us when, you know, when no one, when we couldn't have fans and you traveled down to Atlanta and made it feel like, a home. like, why am I doing this? Why am I saying all of this? I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> I'm with you. It just, it, it bothers the shit out of me. And maybe that's the Tennessee SEC person in me that like they don't have any they don't have any problem asking you for money over right. and over and over and over and over again because those people are like hell yeah I'll give you money because Tennessee football is important to me and if I can contribute to them being successful I want to do it and we have a lot of those people now and a lot of those people can't donate $100,000 or a million dollars. Right. But we have how many thousands of alumni and young alumni and people that were there in 09 and are still around in 2020. I mean, people my age, like I'm basically 40. Everybody my age that, you know, rode that wave and now rode it again would be dying to give you money, but they don't know anything about what you're raising money for. That wasn't supposed to turn into a rant segment, but there you go. It just, it's, it bothers me. It's, it is the one thing that, and it's, and like I said, this is not 
a current administration thing. This is how it's been. I mean, right. But somebody's got to break the cycle because you cannot trumpet P6 if you aren't going to act like them when it comes to front fundraising and marketing your program. Yeah. You, you just can't. You can you can win all the damn games you want, but to compete with those guys year in and year out, you got to raise money like them. And we'll never raise money like them, no matter what, frankly. But you certainly aren't going to do it with silent campaigns and not publicizing how good you are and not going to your fan base and saying, we need you to, to help us stay where we're at. We know this last year was exciting. Let's keep it going. Here's another thing I think that doesn't get talked about enough. What happens when those people give $500, $1,000? They're now invested, right? Yeah. They own a part of that locker room. They own a part of the practice facility. They own a part of whatever, you know, if there is an indoor facility in the future. Those small donors become a lot more invested when they, when they have more in the pot than just, you know, my season tickets. It's also how you keep people around when you have lean years. Right. It's easy. That's what to I'm ask, getting at. It's easy to ask for money when you're riding high. Right. People, That's what I'm people, getting at. And people want to give money when you're riding high, but you're going to have lean years. It's just, it's going to happen. So how do you, that's how you keep people around is you show them how much, whatever their investment is. Right. Is, is value is important. And I'm not saying that they don't do that. I mean, I don't donate any money, so I don't know what the interaction is between the donor and the, and the program. It's just not a place I, I especially in the, over the last year, not a place that we've been, but that's how you keep people around is, you make them feel valued and you make them feel that, oh, they're not they're invested. They're all, they only ask me for money when things are good and they right. need something like, you know, you, you keep that relationship going no matter what. And I just think there's, there's a lot of, a lot of good people there. A lot of good stuff that has happened, especially in the face of this pandemic, but it's, it's just one thing that has always gnawed on me and it's just, it's not upper level. It just isn't like, yeah. you know how I found out Auburn was building a new practice facility. How's that? It was tweeted by footballscoop.com <laughs> with a massive article and pictures and everything. Not even by I didn't, one of my SEC buddies didn't send it to me. I didn't happen about it in any other way. It was tweeted by a Twitter account that follows coaching changes. Yeah. It's uh, it's an area that needs to get better. Without question. And sorry, so, I just went like 20 minutes on that. My apologies. <laughs> uh, I think that's something that people are going to be pretty interested in. I think so it's I something a lot of people uh share my sentiment they don't have the platform that we have to express it right i think that's fair and this I is definitely... the dynamic with me and you and and what i do for the website and everything is yes i work for bearcat journal but 
anybody that knows me and knows my involvement, I am fan first. Right. I tell you. And I've never, I've I never asked you to I be anything the games. different. I've, I will not cover the games. I don't tweet during the games. I am a fan. Right. So I am speaking my opinion, but I feel like I'm also speaking for a large majority of our fan base that doesn't Ooh. have a mic to just spew you know, nonsense most of the time. But when you, when you hit on something that that you know I have a, a strong opinion about, I feel like a lot of people share that. I concur, a thousand percent. Um, all right, I think that that we can. Are, do you have anything else on that? Or are you good? No. Um, you know, I I hope that the locker room starts soon because it's needed. And I I I mean I would love the idea that if they were thinking this far ahead to a real ass, you know, football facility that this is some, and this might be the, 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 the first step in a thousand steps. So I don't want to say that like, I, we've heard that this is happening and, but they haven't told me that's not the case at all. Like we're just spitballing here, but it's the next logical thing. Like, I mean, if you, if you, do a locker room and you are landlocked with the lender center. You're not really doing anything there. Like what is the next step? Like it would be this. Right. So, and it would be years down the road. I mean, we, I'm also being realistic as to what UC's donor base truly is, but it's certainly not going to get built by not telling anybody about it. Right. All right. Let's get to uh and basketball. I don't, I don't the, think there's guess the starting five. <laughs> oh, buddy, I couldn't even begin to guess the starting five. I couldn't even begin. I mean, we were told today. Should we should we give a free month's membership to someone if they can guess the starting five and within five points of whatever you see scores? Because guess the starting five, you could just. Like you, that's not that hard. No, I think it's pretty hard right now. Yeah, it could be. I mean, we were told they needed a GA to go five on five, and that includes walk-ons. Did did John? Did anyone ask John if he practiced? There's no chance that happened. <laughs> There's no chance that happened. Yeah, he didn't. He wouldn't want to embarrass the guys. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> His old ass. He's almost 50. He ain't going out there and playing five on five against a bunch of 20-year-olds. A um, little different with Tim. Tim's, you know, early 30s. Like, yeah. Tim, there's a reason that, you know, he's he's gotten some reps, shall we say, over the years. Um I, I couldn't I couldn't even begin to fathom projecting what a starting five would be. Couldn't even begin to to even think I would be right on that. So what? Let's do some math. So he said what? He you probably have seven to eight scholarship guys. Is that what he said? And he didn't or say seven it in to his... eight total guys. He said they had enough to go five on five with one GA. So that's nine. And walk-ons. 
let's let's count two walk-ons. Okay. That's seven scholarship players. That's that's so what? You had 13. Gabe is gone for now. Rap is gone. That takes you to 11. If you're at seven, that means four are as of today. And who knows, you know, if that's true by the time they, you know, when they get to Philly. Um, that's seven scholarship players. Four scholarship players not available. Does that sound right to you? Yes, I was reading the tweet that I just found interesting, but yes. Okay. We don't know at any point what that might look like because UC is not going to say anything until tomorrow. Would be my guess. Like, we won't find out who's available and who's not until uh, the pregame show starts at what? What time's the game? The game's at 7, so 6.30. 6:30. We'll find out at 6.30 who's available, or at least hypothetically. Worst case, we'll find out by 7, right? Because oh, you know people like are... Right before. People, people are going to pause the huddle because they'll show the huddle. The TV crew will be talking about it. But they'll send out a tweet. Well, they'll send out a tweet of the starting five, and then right. you just got to pick what four aren't available and what two are. Well, you, yeah, you can't submit it. Well, no, if you're, if you're trying to cheat. Right. Um, these games are always so weird, though, because I feel like these are games that teams somehow find a way at times to inexplicably win. The only thing you obviously have to worry about is this is a team that fouls a lot. <laughs> well, that too. But this is a team that started practice Monday. They ain't going to be in shape. No. So you're going to like go to the, um, the X. Uh, who the hell did they play? Butler. Butler's terrible. The X Butler game. X dominated that game. They should have won by 30, but they had a stretch in the middle of the second half where they gave up a 15 0 run and they just looked like they were completely gassed, mainly because they hadn't played in 21 days. And I think they had had even more access to practice than where UC has been. So you're going to have a stretch where you're gassed. You're going to have a stretch where you got walk-ons on the floor. They can't survive this, can they? This has just got to be getting like back acclimated. Like this almost like an exhibition game, kind of. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have to, like, just rotate guys in. Like, you can't just be like, oh, yeah, you're going to play 35 minutes tonight. Do you have a problem with a team being forced to play in this type of situation? Um, no, I really don't, honestly. Because I feel like, no. Uh, I was at this, this uh, even worse situation almost happened this week with – uh, Boston College, but they had three games in a row canceled because I guess their numbers were they were, their administration was going to make them play. I think it was Florida State on Saturday 
I want to say, and they had like four, four non walk, four scholarship players. I mean, that's nuts. And what are we doing? Something then happened. <laughs> I don't know if they said, well, we're not playing even if you try to make us or whatever, but uh, what are we doing, Dave? What are we doing? Making teams play with four scholarship players. No, that's what, what? that would, that's like their own administration making them play. Right. And seven is the number that's supposedly that's the, the threshold for this thing. If you have seven, then you can go. I don't think, I mean, you know, it, it's uh, not, Obviously, it's not optimal by any stretch of the imagination. Well, yeah, none but, of this is. Right. But seven, you've got five starters and two subs on scholarship. You know, is it great? No, but can you? should you be able to probably figure it out? Yes. What if you're not having a great season to begin with? Uh, then not great. <laughs> <laughs> Actually bad. Actually bad. Are, are you is there are you going to watch? Mm. Yeah, I'll probably have it on just because it's the first time they've played in a, a month, and I'm actually just kind of interested to see how the the curiosity factor. Not necessarily the outcome, just like how the like the actual how game how the gameplay actually works, like how. Right who starts, how the subbing works, like what happens, like if they get in foul trouble or are we looking at like a four, four on five situation? Like there's a lot of things that are in play that are not normally the case. I mean, if you've got seven scholarship players and two walk-ons, you shouldn't be in a four on five, right? No, you shouldn't. But like you could get guys hurt because they yeah. play the month. <laughs> and they've um, only practiced for three days. And then a couple guys foul out. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta sit in like the softest defense you can think of, right? For... I, would press, I would press the whole game. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> You're such an idiot. <laughs> what they can't have is guys get tired and foul out. But I'm gonna press the entire game. Yeah. Sam Martin, go get him. Hey. This, Rob this Banks. Your, this is your time to shine, fellas. Let's see what you got. Like, this would be a dream situation for like this is a absolutely dream. Absolutely, I can shoot all the time, and you can't take me out. Good luck. Like you can take me out, but you're gonna have to put me back in. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am getting mine tonight. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, the curiosity level on this game is going to be exceptionally like, the high. The gameplay itself is going to be just atrocious. Like, there's no there's no way around it. Like, how could you possibly think that this was going to be a well-played basketball game? Yeah, they haven't played in a month, and they've practiced for three days in that, like, four days total in that month. Not – how are we looking? Not yeah. good not good so i'm sure you know we, we've got and then hey sometimes dave the things we do on this podcast they work right sometimes the american the american clearly listened to this podcast last week heard me uh lose my mind over forcing a team to play at six o'clock on super bowl sunday and they moved the game to noon so we we make things happen here 
every once in a while we uh or somebody in the conference actually went wait what are we doing why do we have a game scheduled for six o'clock the day of the super bowl big 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 football fans those guys up in uh rhode island are they in Dallas yet? I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe they've moved to the Metroplex, and but uh, I know they're I'm, supposed I'm, to. I don't know when. I'm guessing not yet, just because of COVID and everything. I would think true. They haven't moved, but who knows? Kentucky true. lost again, though, so that's cool. They were they were getting beat by double digits at halftime, so that's not. A I'm, assu- I'm assuming this is a loss. Nick Goodman tweets now five and eleven. Oh yeah, they were they were getting beat pretty soundly, but at halftime. Yeah, my, my, my guys had a nice showing last night after kicking the crap out of Kansas on the weekend. They couldn't miss <laughs> fifty damn points against Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean that's so weird about this season. As teams are just so more than we've ever seen before. Teams are so different week to week, day to day. Outside of Baylor. Gonzaga, Villanova, Michigan uh, at times. Mich- Michigan's had a Iowa, couple stinkers too. I will we, we those are the teams like you know what you're getting. Yeah. Outside of that, like do you, it's I mean, bad. It's it's bad. It's bad, bad, bad. Has not been an enjoyable season to watch. I talked about it a lot on the skinny podcast. Uh, Sunday, I think there's a lot to be said for just how important summer workouts have become. I think we took them for granted. I think people didn't realize how much of a difference it made on the game. Getting your team together in June for eight weeks of, you know, actual on-court work with coaching staff. Right. Skill development, team development, you know, more time in the weight room than they were given before that. You know, it was... um it's a lot when you, when you total up what they get to do now at the end of the season, once, once April hits, once the final four is over, you get a couple weeks before your school year ends, you get eight weeks in the summer, you get from the day that the, the fall semester starts until the day practice starts, you get eight hours a week on the court. All of that stuff was basically tossed out the window. And you are seeing it in spades, you know, the veteran teams, um, are a little bit more consistent, a little bit better at this point in time, but it is far from a sure thing. And uh, boy, it's going to be real interesting as we get to get a little bit closer to March to see well, I, if it's still. I, like, I just look at it like, especially with Gonzaga and Baylor, like how do you, how does anyone see them not making the final four? Yeah. I had someone. Obviously, it's not a sure thing by any stretch, but like they've been so consistent and so much better than pretty much everybody they've played. Like, and given how inconsistent everyone else has been, like they're just going to all of a sudden in the Sweet 16 lose to a team that's lost like 10 or 12 games. I had a, a former assistant in the conference who is no longer in the conference. He moved up to the P5. Uh, he sent me the score of, of ECU and Houston and said, Death Valley, don't miss that place at all. 
I it's need, so brutal going in there. I need one guess to, to on who. No, that it's actually not that guess. <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> I mean, I you know, being out on the road, you make a lot of friends, Dave. You make a lot. In your of case, you make a lot of acquaintances. Right. Yeah. That, nobody likes me, <laughs> <laughs> but they deal with me. I make a lot of acquaintances. That's a good correction. Good catch by you. Uh, so you know, I text with a lot of different coaches. Death Valley. Don't miss that place at all. That's just shocking that ECU beat Houston. I mean, but we've been there, right? You're the yeah. you're the top dog. You're cruising. Everything looks good. You go into you go into ECU, and you come out going, "What just happened?" And the fan base is losing their mind. Everybody's freaking out. We're just not that good. We're just not that good. But well, here, all I'm right, real just real quick, just because you made me think about it. So here are East Carolina's wins. Prior to tonight. Okay. They beat Charlotte to open the season. They have a win against North Carolina Wesleyan. Radford. Hey, don't sleep on Radford. UNC Wilmington. Uh North Florida. James Madison. Uh Uh-huh. Tulane. Tulane. And Houston. (laughs) <laughs> they had lost three games in a row. Oh, so since they beat Tulane, here's what they did. Postponed, loss, loss, postponed, postponed, loss, loss, loss. Win against Houston. <laughs> Just as you'd expect, right? Yeah. Perfectly perfectly follows the pattern. Yep. Unbelievable. And they scored... Uh, the only time they've scored more points was against North Carolina Wesleyan in an overtime versus UNCW. Unbelievable. Against the number one scoring defense in the country. Yeah, and scored 82. <laughs> wow. If you, are, right. if you bet on this NCAA tournament, you either know something or you just have a lot of money and don't care. Or you're a glutton for punishment. Or you like losing money gambling. That's the only way I can think of, think of, think of it. But all right, well, I guess that that wraps it up. That was uh, again, we always come into these things like, how are we going to fill an hour? Another nothing to talk about. Hour, hour and forty and minutes. minutes. <laughs> it never fails. That's why you're here. Make it to the Holy Grail tomorrow night. Watch the game. If for nothing else, the entertainment value is going to be off the charts. Uh, go get you a bucket of beers, get you some grub, and watch the Bearcats get back on the court for the first time. And what did we decide? 21, 2, 3, 4, 5, 25 days. First game in 25 days. Dude, what Unbelievable. Is go- Pittsburgh beat Virginia Tech tonight. Okay. LaSalle beat St. Louis. Like, <laughs> apparently if you're good, you're getting beat tonight. Yeah. Well, Kentucky's not good, so. Well, I mean. Five and 11, is that what they were? That's why I love the, st- the talk last on Saturday when everybody, when the, or Friday when the Texas game got canceled. And they were like, there goes Kentucky's chances to make it into the NCAA tournament. They like they were going to win. <laughs> right. Well, like they were going to win one. 
And two, like that was going to be what gets them yes. into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh-huh. At six and 10 from what we've seen from them so far this year. Jesus, give me a break. All right. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Another riveting edition of the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.